Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is good with you in your world. I hope everything's fine with you. Wow, happy new month. <laughs> like we say in Nigeria, this was something that just started, I don't know, like some years ago. And it's now cut off to the point that if you don't, you know, it's, it's now a thing, you know, happy new month, which is really, <laughs> anyways, but at first i found it very cheesy but later i just found that okay you know, now i'm sort of like with it i'm like yeah okay happy new month it's almost like rather you know yeah rather happy new year yeah it's really crazy so in nigeria we say happy new month and i kid you not this is a new thing it wasn't like that it's not traditional it's not cultural but it's just started and i guess it was the social media generation that started it because it started off online first of all it wasn't something that started you know physically and i think maybe church people as well you know so a little bit of church intersection between church and social media anyway it's a thing so happy new month i'm nigerian i live in nigeria get with the program so first of july but it's the first day of the second half of the year so we're halfway through the year of 2023 and we give god the glory for that um i don't know what kind of a year you've had thus far but i think it's a very it's been a very active year for everyone i think things as in the year just this wasn't a slow year at all and it wasn't a it wasn't like a well again well let me know and start a bit when i say it wasn't a slow year i mean there was stuff happening it doesn't mean that and i'm not saying it's positive stuff but there was just stuff happening business wise i know it was it's been a very challenging year for many people particularly in my country nigeria and it's almost like you are having to adapt and just you know things are just moving on and on you know it's just changing you know your position keeps changing you know like every day every time you know and all that so in in it's it's been a year when you know there hasn't been a lot of stability i think economically and there's just been stuff happening so let's just put it that way so it's almost like every day something happens you know and that's what i mean by it hasn't been a slow year it hasn't been one of those years where oh like you have news it's like literally every day there's some crazy thing happening out there something that you know if you don't when you read it you're like my goodness how could this be you know literally like every day honestly it's just been a very eventful year that's what i've been looking for extremely eventful very eventful and not not always in a positive way you know what in fact not really in a positive way but it's it's a year that i think is keeping everybody on their toes there's just calling for a lot of vigilance um socially emotionally financially and all that and in a way now that i think about it because i remember what god said to me during the pandemic he said to me then you know because i was praying because i mean it was a very scary and terrifying time for all of us you know not knowing this horrible disease that is outside that is coming to kill you you know and everything is like have demons been let loose in the earth and all that and the lord said to me that this was a period of preparation he said it to me but i thought i was personalizing the message not realizing that he was there was a personal aspect of it and there was also a collective i would say global or universal side of what he was saying so what he was saying was that so i was trying to pray and get a sense from him as per you know how long is this going to last and all that and after this would things be better and he he told me very categorically that no things will not be in quotes better you know he he said it and and you know he was he was more or less saying that 
this is a process to make you stop and think reassess your life you know build resilience and get ready for the challenges ahead that was more or less what he said to me then and i didn't understand that because i was like you mean how will i come out of this kind of you know the pandemic and all that was going on even in my own personal life at the time and then you are then telling me that things will get even more challenging afterwards and this is the thing he didn't necessarily say things will get worse but he did say that things will not be easy or a smooth sail which is what i meant when i said will it get better because i wanted things to then go back to you know very nice no problem no wahala and he was like no that's not what's going to happen but that what i'm expecting is that during this period you're going to build resilience spiritual resilience emotional resilience you know even if whatever financial resilience whatever but he was really talking more about spiritual resilience to prepare you for the challenges ahead. So I was like, what? You mean there will be challenges even worse than what I'm going through now? I didn't even want to hear it. But I had gotten my answer. So I knew that he was. this was not a period where I would say, you know, this after the challenges of the pandemic and all that was going on in my life, that things will come to an end. And that things will get, in quotes, better. It was his way of telling me that, look... This 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 phase, and, and he also made me realize that the, the pandemic would last for a long time. In fact, the guidance that the Holy Spirit gave me then really prepared me. Because a lot of people, even in church, they were having that feeling that, oh, it will be just very short, very soon, we'll go back to the new. You know, they were all like, in three months, we'll be back. The Holy Spirit told me, you are in this for the long haul. Even when he said that, nothing could have prepared me for what happened, which is as in, we, the kind of, as in, we were in it solidly in the pandemic for two and a half slash three years solidly as in this thing hitting like beginning of 2020 it was um flight travel only started resuming um, into normal levels like 2022 really about tail end of 2022 so total global shutdown for two years two and a half years if our countries like china i think just made came out of it this year so um I nothing could have prepared me for that, but he he did tell me. But what he did for me was that unlike other people who had that sense of oh, there's no you know all what people had about COVID and everything, God had given me my own guidance. He told me yes, there is something out there, and it is something that you need to be wary about, and it's going to have a very devastating impact on the world. All those things, as in he told me. He told me. So I wasn't taking my information so much from what... In fact, it was the way God warned me that made me take the advice coming from the authorities, at least on certain things, very seriously. Because God had already warned me. He had warned me. That, look, don't... You know, he... So I never had that issue that other Christians had about, oh, you know, this is whatever. They're just lying. They're just... I never... I wasn't on that train. I was not even on, as in I was not on that train at all. I'm sorry if you, I was not. Why? Because the Lord had warned me. And one thing I realized, why I, I so much like the fact that I, I read the Bible a lot as a lifestyle. I have read it a lot. I, you know, even now I, I can, I think I should read it much more than I do, but I really have read the Bible. I mean, it's just the truth. There's no book on earth I've read as much as the Bible. I have really read the Bible. I read the Bible. I, I must say that. Because when I read, if you read the Bible, then when things happen, it's very quickly, you, are, you, you know, it, you, you quickly remember, oh yes, there was a story like this in the Bible. 
And you need to have read the Bible to a very large extent before you can have that recall. Just like how you watch something and be like, oh, this is just like that movie. That's exactly how the Bible is for me. I've read the Bible so much that when things happen, I can quickly draw a correlation. Even sometimes when it's not obvious and it's not me, I guess it's the Holy Spirit bringing it to my memory. It actually is. So in the Bible, I see many places where God warned his children ahead of time. He warned Joseph of the seven years of famine. I don't know where we Christians get this nonsense theology that we have or beliefs that we have that when things are going on in the world, you should pretend as if it's not happening and be making some silly confessions, therefore it will go into oblivion. There is no reference for it in scripture. Jesus told the children of Israel, there will be seven years of, he showed um, they, um, Joseph the vision, there will be seven years of famine, seven, seven years of fat, seven years of famine. He didn't ask them to pray against the seven years of famine. He was telling them what was going to happen. But what he did was that he allowed and he sent Joseph ahead. And because Joseph already had received that vision, and I'm sure God continued to talk to him about that, he then did what he needed and gathered grain into the silos of Egypt in preparation for the seven years of famine. And guess what? Egypt became the country that had the the destiny of nations in their hand. Everybody came to Egypt for grain. They, They had money, they had no food. And that's when you, you, we all realize that you cannot eat currency. If you like have dollars in your house, you can't eat it because, <laughs> oh Lord. So they had food. The world had money, but no food. So the seven years of fat, of plenty, and I can imagine within those seven years of plenty, they were throwing away food. You can imagine there must have been surplus. People must have been having parties, weddings, you know, throw, you know, as in really spending it anyhow, not knowing that. I heard was seven years of, of, of famine. Now, the problem with the way the Bible and the gospel is preached and in which, you know, messages go in our churches today is that they pretend as if we are always in years of plenty. Whereas everywhere in scripture, we see that the patterns of life go up and down. In all the trajectory of the children of Israel, we notice that there were good times, there were bad. It was always like that. In the days of the apostles, there was a time when they were all gathered in, in, you know, in Jerusalem and they were built in a commune and everybody had everything common and blah, blah, blah. Then persecution came and scattered them, do you understand? And then people went their separate ways and all that. And then there were pockets of, you know, even for Paul and co. There were times he preached in places they were well received. There were times they were poorly received. There was always this up and down thing. The time, in, even in the ministry of Jesus too, you see it. There was a time he was in the wilderness, which was really challenging and all that. Then there was a time he was also went out into ministry, met a lot of people. People received him. They were listening to his words. Disciples were coming. There was also the portion at which people stopped believing the Jews, the Pharisees brought um, challenges against them. You know, then there was also the times they tried to kill him. Everything, you know. And even in the midst of that, you then saw when he entered Jerusalem and he had a, um, um, a triumphant entry, Hosanna in the highest. Shortly after that, again, another set of drama came. That is how it is. This broken world that we're in is a world of ups and downs. And I don't understand, as a Christian, what we have received in Christ is the ability to live through the ups and the downs in Christ to carry us to have Christ and the power of God to carry us excuse me through those challenges not to take them away it never is to take it away 
Because the Bible said that to everything there is a purpose and a season to things that are on earth. So God has ordered the world in such a way. And of course, we are living in a broken world. That's why things are sort of like messed up the way they are. But even in this broken world, everything has a purpose and everything has a season. So even the evil that the devil causes to bring come about, it has a season. And God himself can cause his own purpose to be fulfilled even in that, um, that season of evil. Which is what happened with the seven years of, um, of famine in the days of Joseph. God used those seven years to save Israel, brought them out from their land into Egypt, allowed them to grow and thrive as a big nation, and then after Moses sent them out. All of God's purpose was coming through in all of those places. What I be, one thing I, I believe that um, that movement to Egypt did was it solidified Israel as a nation because Joseph went with, with his, I mean, Jacob went with his family. And it's possible that if they stayed where they were, they may not have been Israel. But Jacob went with his family. His family now grew. I mean, just imagine that kind of multiplication they had. Compare, I think Jacob, I don't know how many people he went to. It's not his children, the children's wives, and you know, maybe they went to, I think they said we went to about 70 souls. That 70 came up to the um, population that we know, know today. Even though today I'm stunned to find out that the number of Jews in the world is about 13 million. Apparently, that 6 million that Hitler killed really affected the growth of, the, um, uh, of them. Because really, if you look at how many they were, in the days of um, Joseph and Moses, they should have been much more by now. But even as, in quotes, small as they are, small but mighty, you know, far more powerful and influential in today's world than people from my nation who are like, in population terms, um, almost like 10 times or more, 15 times, 20 times, that amount of, yeah, about 15. Sorry, my math, math is not my thing. So... What I'm saying in all of this is that God is the one that helps me get through the seasons of life. And I realize that why I like reading the Bible is because the Bible makes me... First of all, the Bible tells you that if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. That means that there is a day of adversity to every man. I mean... I have been opportune certain times to be called into certain forums and I, whenever I say this thing, I can actually see the Christians squirming in their seat. So you see the kind of theology we have been fed where we, we don't even know, we're not taught that there's a day of adversity. Whereas, do you need anybody on this earth to tell you that there's a day of adversity? When we live in a world where babies can be born sick, we live in a world where somebody can leave their house and not return. We live in a world where people can visit unimaginable torture and cruelty upon other people. Sometimes even upon the people of their own flesh. Sometimes upon their own children. Where people can be slaughtered in the street. Where disasters that are unexplainable can happen. People can wake up middle of the night, volcano over, um, erupting, tsunamis. You know what I'm saying? Earthquakes. Do we need anybody to tell? Or do we, is it that we think that those people that these things happened to, they had done some bad things that necessitated it happening to them? No. 
The Bible makes it very clear. We live in a broken world. There is a day of adversity. For Jesus, there was a day of adversity as well. Except if you are saying your life is somehow greater than that of the master. Because the, Jesus warned us. He told us, the servant is not greater than the master. He said, if they persecuted you, they will persecute me. If they received you, me, they will receive you. There was a day of adversity for Jesus. And he did not faint. He almost fainted. I mean, well, I mean, he, you understand. He, he went through the motions. But he asked for God and God strengthened him. There was a day of adversity for Jesus. In fact, the day of adversity came several times. It came when the devil tried to um, tempt him in the wilderness. It also came several times when they tried to kill him. There was a time they tried to stone him. He had to move out of their way. And it came finally when he um, um, was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane after the betrayal of Judas. That day of adversity was very long. In fact, it was like days of adversity because after that, they arrested him. They took him for trial. Then the high priest slapped him. They spat on him. They released him to the soldiers who started scourging him. They took a crown of thorns, put it on his head. They took a, a whip with blades and they whipped his back, you know, beat him mercilessly, tortured him. They were laughing at him, you know, scorning him, calling all kinds of names. Eventually got a big mighty cross for him to carry all the way to Golgotha. Went up to the hill, nailed him to the cross, raised him up, watched his blood um, spill out. Took a spear, thrust it in his side with the crown of thorns on his head. I remember he was the only one that they put a crown of thorns on his head. The other thieves that were crucified with him did not have the crown of thorns. Now, can we put this in? Um, prospect. You know what it means for somebody to make a crown made of thorns and stick it into your head, your brain, your medulla oblongata and leave it there while nailed hand and feet to a cross. Now that I think about it, I think that was done. God allowed that to be done so that Jesus' crucifixion would be different from that of every other person because apparently crucifixion was a way of um, killing people those days, particularly prisoners and all that. So his was even more malicious than that which they did to others. And others, I would imagine they took them from prison, just crucified them. Him, they really dealt with his body before they even put him. And then even at that, it was not enough. They had to do something on his head as well. And they also thrust a, a spear in his side. So that was Jesus' day of adversity. And of course, he actually prayed. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are really preaching now. He actually prayed that God should take away that day of adversity, but God did not. So what this means is that there are some days of adversity that we can't pray will. I'm saying, I'm, you know, and like I said, many Christians don't like to hear this. But may I base my life based on what I see in the scripture and what it means. And like I said, I was very, I got an A in English. English literature was and in English literature. When I was in school, this was my thing. I'm a hardcore arts student. I, I did sciences up to GCSE level, but I didn't do as well in them. I'm hardcore arts, but I also like the logic of maths and science, you know, and I liked biology, but I'm a hardcore. I understand text, prose, as in words give me life. So I am, God has gifted, you know, I, by the grace of God, when I read text, I can derive meaning from it. Both the one that is um, is implied and the one that I can infer and both and the one that is literal. I know the difference between literal meaning, um, implied meaning, inferred meaning, and abstract meaning. 
So this one, the Bible says, if you faint in the day of adversity, Proverbs 24, 10, your strength is small. That means there is a day of adversity. And there are examples all through the Bible that show that the day of adversity came literally to every Bible hero. I mean, look at David. Let's not talk about the apostles and the early church. But today we have Christians, modern day contemporary 21st century Christians. We are all deceiving ourselves that there is no day of adversity. That if God is working in your life, nothing bad will ever happen to you. Where is that in the Bible? Where? The servant is not greater than the master. Bad things happen to Jesus. So if somebody is preaching to you a gospel that says you are going to live a life that no bad thing will happen, nothing bad, then the person you are following and you receive it, then the person you we are following, if, we, if I also receive that, that means that the person that I'm following is not Jesus. What Jesus promises you, us, is to have the life that prevents us from being bad and doing bad things to people. It also gives us the power to overcome evil in our lives and not to be overcome by evil. It does not say that it will prevent us from any adverse situation. And let me be clear, the day of adversity, um, the Bible doesn't say what it is. But for some people, it will be the day they die. And all of us know that we'll die. So even if you say, okay, I escape every other adversity and somehow it works out for you in that way, you will not escape physical death. Or are you hoping to be raptured? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that may not be the day. Or you may say, okay, the day I leave this body is not my day of adversity. Okay, fine. That's good. But the point is that the Bible also tells us that they that will live godly on this earth will suffer persecution. That persecution is also like the day of adversity because it will come in diverse forms. James also tells us we should count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations and trials. He says we should not think it's strange when certain trials happen to us. Everything in the Bible, in the epistles, in the letters of the um, early church, the apostles, they were preparing us for the day of adversity. That's, that's what I have come to realize. The Bible is not a, a feel-good book. It comes to prepare you. If this world was perfect and Adam had not sinned, we would not need the Bible. We wouldn't. Because we would have gotten the command. The commandment will have been... Multiply, replenish the earth, go and eat every fruit of the garden of Eden, but the tree of the knowledge of good. That, that, same, that, that, that was literally all they told Adam. There was no Bible given to Adam. It was the sin of Adam and the consequences of that sin that led us to a world that was so broken, so alienated from God, that over the years, man was so distant from God's standard. We had developed our own traditions and our way of doing things that God had to then raise men and women over the ages to begin to, first of all, have an experience and encounter with him and then have people document those encounters so that other people can begin to know who God is and what he stands for. That's why we have this, because it's a broken world. So the Bible itself is a book of adversity. Even people were killed <laughs> to bring forth this Bible. Many of them died. That's why they had to hide them inside uh, uh, caves. The scrolls that were found, Red Sea scrolls, all of them. 
disclose our found that eventually people compiled together to form this Bible. They were all hidden away in places because if they found anybody with it, they will kill you, they will destroy the scrolls. The Bible itself is a product of adversity. So how can you then be reading the words of it? The devil tried to destroy that, this Bible and make sure that the knowledge of God was erased from the face of the earth. How then can you be a follower of the words of the God whose words are written in that Bible and you think you can escape that adversity? You cannot. But the point is that whether you are following God or not, this world is a world of adversity. I don't know. Are we in the same world? When I listen to Christians, I just wonder... <laughs> Is it, is it is there some plane that you guys are on? Is it is the height of delusion and the height of denial? And I think it may it limits us from being effective in this world because we cannot save people. First of all, we cannot help ourselves, and we cannot help people who are in crisis because we are not even willing to engage or recognize that you know, engage with the with the difficult issues of the world. That's my, my honest view. So I personally am happy that the Lord is leading me on this journey of relearning him and unlearning the nonsense I've been taught for many years. Because I think this is what real ministry is. And I really, really pray and I hope that the Lord will... My prayers are one day the Lord will lead me into a congregation of believers back just like he did before I leave this earth of people who are 100% only concerned about doing the will of God and living according to Christ, not according to the doctrines of men, because I think that's what we're doing. We have been pushing for, um, 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 uh, preaching for commandments, the doctrines of men, exactly how Jesus put it, what the Pharisees were doing, what we have to a very large extent in most faith circles around us, communities of faith, is people, you know, we're just pushing the commandments of men as doctrine, because the Bible is clear, the Bible is clear. Bible is clear. So, and I'm happy because my time in seminary has also helped me. And, and just to be clear, it wasn't a lot of what I'm saying is not in seminary that I, in quotes, learned it. God was already, had already led me on this journey. In fact, I just joined seminary last year, whereas I had been on this journey from January or June 2020. So I'd been on the journey for like a year, or a journey of just going back to the Bible, like literally, you know, really just reading the Bible. And, um, with the Holy Spirit, of course, be my my coach, my mentor, and my Bible interpreter. But like I said, you know, and, and it's, it's not like these are not things, these are things that I already knew. In fact, what he was also doing was helping to reconnect me back to my first love. So when I got saved, these were things we knew. But somehow we've all gotten into this inspirational gospel prosperity nonsense that then took over from the late 90s and all that. And it has completely corrupted our paths and our way of thinking. But in the early days, when we all received Christ, we all knew that being a Christ, a Christian, was about following Christ, was about learning to be like him, was about dying to self, was about sacrifice, was about loving God above all other things, was about wanting to do the things that were pleasing unto him, was about suffering persecution, was about preaching the gospel so that others can be saved, was about growing to become like him. We knew that then. But what we're doing now is completely different. And it's funny how you can actually walk away from God without knowing it. But I think now it's clear to anybody that has eyes to see that the glory has departed. The glory has departed from the mainstream church, at least in Nigeria. That doesn't mean that everybody, the glory has departed from everybody that is a Christian. No, don't get me wrong. 
But in a lot of the mainstream big churches, the glory has departed. And it's because they've walked away from the gospel of Christ and have elevated materialism, man, created things far more than the love of Christ and his word. And um, people have also not been taught, have not been encouraged to follow Christ, follow his word. Rather, they have been encouraged to follow the doctrines of the church and the doctrines of the, 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 the person on the platform of the church, the main figure. It's, it's just modern day idolatry, if you ask me. And I'm not missing words today because I think I've, we've gotten to that point where there's no point deceiving ourselves. I've been very, tried to be very diplomatic a lot in my, lots of my music. But now, having seen everything and where we have gotten to, I, I think it's, it's just time. This is, I, I think, and I think I have gotten enough evidence. Let's, let me put that in. To be able to call a spade a spade. You know, sometimes you are sensing things and you're not so sure and you want to be like, okay, give benefit of the doubt and all that. But now, I have, I think, yeah, I have enough scriptural evidence, enough reflective, meditative, and observing what's going on to be able to say certain things very categorically. And that is that the Bible is clear about who Jesus is. The Bible is clear about how Jesus lived his life. The Bible is clear about what Jesus' priorities were. The Bible is clear about what righteousness is from Christ's perspective, what holiness is from Christ's perspective. The Bible is clear that Christianity is about being blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. The Bible is also clear that materialism, love of the world, lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and lost of the eyes is not of God, is not of Christ. The Bible is also clear that we are not to live our life chasing material things. The Bible is clear that the love of money is the root of all evil. When I see a congregation that claims to be gathered in the name of the Lord, that is showing traits that fit into all these things that the Bible preaches and cautions and warns and counsels and advocates strictly against, it is clear to me that whatever it is that is being preached, that is being upheld in those communities, it is not of God. It is not of Christ. It is not of scriptural. It is not by what you say or how you label yourself that determines if you are a Christian. It is by what you do and the spirit by which you operate and how much it represents Christ. I'll leave it at that. And I thank God for this journey. I am learning. I am still work in progress, still a long way to go, but at least the Lord is helping me build my self-awareness about who I should be, who he is, the distance between who I am and who he wants me to be and who I want to be in him and who I should be in him. And I believe that the Lord will help me make that journey at his own pace, in his own time, by his grace and his mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted and have a wonderful day in the name of our Lord.